Have you heard of Raise Them Well? It's our company that we started back when I was pregnant with our second son, Hutch, and we couldn't find the supplements and the trustworthy products that we were really looking for for our own family. And so Wiggy and I decided to create our own and Raise Them Well was born. We provide a lot of different products, including vitamins and supplements for your children, really great magnesium products, prenatal vitamins, and more. So make sure you check out RaiseThemWell.com for all of those offerings, especially if you're looking to clean up your family's products in the new year and maybe just get a little bit crunchy. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Healthy Discourse. It's Emily here, and I am very excited to welcome back to the show Christian Jordan. Hey, Christian. Hi, Emily. How are you? I am great. And if you have not listened to our What is a Doula episode, you need to go back and listen to that. Also, if you haven't listened to our home birth episode, you need to go back and listen to that before listening to today's episode (laughs) with Christian, which is going to be all about postpartum. So that's something that we really don't focus on very much. There are 5 million books written about pregnancy and like five about postpartum, right? That is so (laughs) true. Yes. And so if you didn't catch it already, Christian is a doula, a certified doula, and she also was my doula for our home birth. So if you saw any of the pictures, you probably saw her kneeling there quietly encouraging me beside me. And that is Christian. And maybe we'll use that picture for this episode because that'd be cool. Oh, that's Um, a great idea. Yeah. So anyway... Christian, how are you? Christian is also expecting her third baby. So she's in the midst of all of this mothering as well and helping lots of other women um, as well. And I think postpartum is something that no matter how many times you do it, I don't actually think you can fully adequately prepare for. That's something I'm realizing. It's been a while. It's been almost eight years since I had a newborn baby, but nonetheless, I forgot many things. And so it's just really important to both understand what we need to do to prepare and to take care of ourselves and also how to support other women and new moms in that period. And it's just, like I said, interesting how quickly we forget too. So that's thank so you true. for coming even back. For me, even when there's only a couple of years in between babies, I still forget so much. Yeah, it's and and if you hear baby grunts, I have mine right here with me. So um, Naomi is about she'll be six weeks old on Sunday. I cannot believe it. That is so crazy to me. I know it's impossible. I just can't believe it. But um, and she looks nothing like that little tiny newborn anymore. So (laughs) she's a big girl now. But um, anyway, so let's just dive in, Christian. And what would you say are some of the things that women need to better be prepared for or to think about when they are preparing for or right in the midst of even their postpartum journey? Yeah. So one thing that I talk to my clients about in our prenatal meetings, especially first-time parents, is that we put so much emphasis into our birth, which is wonderful. And we do need to do that. But I kind of give the analogy of like a wedding and a marriage. So we prepare Mm -hmm. so much for our wedding day 
but some people don't actually prepare for the long haul of what comes after that. And so birth mm-hmm. is the same way. We prepare so much for this, you know, three day, one to three day period of giving birth. And then we don't put much emphasis or thought into what the postpartum time looks like um, and how smooth as possible. I wrote a blog post like a few years ago after my second baby was born and I'll send you the link in case you want to somehow put it with this podcast for people yeah, to check yes, out. Absolutely. Um, we, we will put the link to that in the show notes for sure. Awesome. I, I list out tons of stuff in there. I won't, I won't go over all of it right now. Cause I don't want to just like bombard somebody with too much information. Um, but it was just so helpful to me to just get it all out there and also just to have it as a resource for clients, um, because I did so many different things with my second than I did with my first and it absolutely mm-hmm. contributed to a smoother postpartum experience. Yes, um, absolutely. One of and those- I was, I did that same thing with my third, especially with setting expectations in advance of myself and others, yes. which I know we'll talk about that, but that I, I finally did a fairly good job with that. And I think that combined with having a home birth has made this postpartum by far my best. So I anyway, that. I hijacked so before you got started, but no, no, not at all. And also <laughs> in my childbirth education classes, I send home after our last class with the parents, I send home a postpartum preparation packet, which sounds kind of silly, but it, it asks a lot of questions for the parents to sit down and answer together before their baby's born so that they can sort of have a plan set up of who's going to do this. What are our expectations with these household chores? Who's, Mm -hmm. who who can we call if we need somebody in the middle of the night? Those kinds of questions. Um, Yeah. And that I think that the more prepared you are, the smoother it's going to go in general. Um, I agree. One of the things that I did for my second that I did not do for my first is I actually prepared a bunch of freezer meals for myself. Um, We Mm -hmm. had a wonderful meal train that lasted us for the first two weeks after my daughter was born. But then I also had about a month's worth of meals in our freezer. And so once that meal train was up, we just started pulling things out of the freezer. And it made such a big impact for neither, you know, me or my husband to have to think too much about what we were going to have for dinner for the first month and a half. You Um, know, you're, I think that's so true. And, you know, all of my children are older and besides the baby and even still with as self-sufficient as they are. And if my oldest son needed to put dinner on the table, he can, but, um, but even still, like I find that dinner more than anything else is just because I think you're exhausted by the end of the day. Mm-hmm. That's when babies are usually the fussiest. And when you have other kids, like you're, it's just so much is happening. The meals that we have received um, have just been, it's just been so amazing. And that's something I, I mean, I knew it was amazing and I love to bless new moms with food, but I forgot while being the recipient of that just is like a breath of fresh air and just a relief of not having to think about it. Absolutely. That mental part of it, even more than the physical part sometimes. So. For sure. Yeah. Um, and so there's a book that I recommend. It's um, it's called The First 40 Days. And there are so many recipes in this book. It's not necessarily a cookbook, but there are many recipes in it that are great for postpartum. They're very nourishing for postpartum. Um, and so they have wonderful freezer meal ideas in that book. Mm, I love that. Great tip. 
Um, another thing that I did that just really helps me out, and I, I noticed that you kind of did this too, was I had like a rolling cart at my bedside. Um, yes, and, I still use it. Oh my gosh, it's such a game changer. <laughs> like keep your diapers, wipes, some extra baby clothes there, your mm-hmm. breast pump supplies, some snacks, some extra drinks. Because in the middle of the night, especially if your baby's sleeping right beside you or is in your bed, you know, or you have a crib, like a bassinet beside the bed, to not have to get up and down to take Mm -hmm. care of anything for your baby or yourself is incredible because it just promotes more sleep. Yes. And I have to share, this has been the routine I've fallen into. I So I fought co-sleeping with my second son, even though he would have benefited from doing it longer because I thought I was doing something wrong. Mm-hmm. And now I I didn't follow many rules back then. And now that I follow no rules, I mean, when I say rules, I mean like society's rules. Right. Um, what we've started doing is we'll do her first stretch in the bassinet. And then we're doing, then I'll bring her in when she wakes up and we do sideline nursing, you know, alternating. And my car is right there. And so I can use my haka if I need it to or toss stuff in there while we're transitioning without, like you said, ever having to do more than prop myself up on my elbow, which, you know, having five kids now and not really having a great like a, a, a break break where it's like I don't have anything to do has been um, I'm getting by far the best sleep and I would probably be dying right now if I wasn't. So yeah. I, it's just like, I can't encourage enough to set up your bedroom space, whatever your decision is for sleeping, but that it's a cozy place for you to just enjoy those early weeks and make it feel like you kind of have this little cavern almost <laughs> where you're comfortable and there, you don't have to worry about running around the house and all that. It's just so nice to have everything right there. Absolutely. And speaking on the sleep and co-sleep thing, we never intended to co-sleep with our babies, um, kind of like you. And we started with a by the bed bassinet with our first and on night four home from the hospital, none of us had been getting sleep because Mm -hmm. he wanted to be with us. And finally on like night five, it was a night four or night five, we were just desperate for some sleep. And us not sleeping is also not safe, even when you're talking about sleep. So we decided to pull him (laughs) in the bed with us and just see what happened. And magically we all slept and we continued for, I think we co-slept with my first for about nine months. And then with our daughter, we never, we just decided to co-sleep from the very beginning because we'd had such a good experience with it with our son. And so she slept with us for about eight months. And by far, we were, we, we never really, we were tired, but we never experienced that zombie feeling that we had at the beginning mm-hmm. with our son. Um, and and just, I think as far as like our emotional state, you know, you can, you cannot do all the things that are required for, for new motherhood and be so exhausted that you can hardly see straight. I mean, I I feel like it's a recipe for just a mental breakdown. And so it's kind of like, you know, and and there's the seven S's, is that what's called? The seven tips for safe sleeping or something like that. And they're very straightforward and very easy. And, you know, and obviously every situation is different, but it's, I, I think we just need to give more women permission to figure out what works for them rather than that's wrong and that's it, you know, or, or, oh, that baby's on their tummy and that's not what you're supposed to do. And right. so 
and your motherly instincts are very powerful and you know your baby better than anyone. Absolutely. (laughs) And if you don't have anyone speaking into your life, you know, giving you permission to practice something like co-sleeping safely, then find somebody who has done it before or find a care provider who is supportive of it because there absolutely are care providers and pediatricians who mm-hmm. will tell you that it's something that they believe in the mother infant right mom, and that co-sleeping can be done safely so finding good su- solid support is really important that's totally a great tip yes uh, another thing that you know is so important if you're planning to breastfeed is having somebody you can call if you start having trouble breastfeeding and sometimes mm. that even means getting support before your baby's born There are some wonderful local lactation consultants and some of them even offer a pre-birth like class that that you can take through them or kind of a pre-birth meeting to go ahead and get to know them. And they can kind of set you up with good expectations for the first few days of the baby's life and what you should look for and kind of what you should be doing. And then, you know, having that support where they can come to your home instead of you having to go to them is incredible. Um, Mm -hmm. So I always highly recommend my clients have an IBCLC kind of set up or in their phone, ready to call them after their baby's born, especially for those first time moms. But as you know, every breastfeeding experience is different, even if you've done it before. So just having Uh the right person that you can call to walk that journey with you, if you have trouble, um, is a great place to set yourself up. Yeah. Absolutely. That's, that's a great tip for sure. Because, um, I've been fortunate to not have any trouble with that with any of my three biological kids, but, and on, and Naomi definitely is the best nurser for sure by far, but I kind of feel like I probably could have done it for longer versus pumping for two years, which that was great for the time. But, um, it, it, it definitely, this is so much easier in a lot of ways, but, um, it's, it, but feeling stressed by breastfeeding and feeling like there's only one right way again <laughs> is, is so short-sighted and yes, moms need that, that support and ability to have someone to call. Yes, for sure. A postpartum doula is another thing that, you know, or another, um, resource that families can think about if that would be something that would be helpful to them. Postpartum doulas are wonderful for families who don't have other family members or good friends close by, or even, you know, a family who doesn't have good supportive family nearby. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, some family members have the best of intentions, but they come into your home and they offer to hold your baby so that you can get things done around your house. And that's not the best way to help a new mom. So a postpartum doula is a trained professional who can walk into your home, kind of assess the situation and help insert herself into the best way possible into your family to help out in those first days, weeks, months postpartum. And I think that, like you said, even the best intentioned people, like a lot of people either forget or don't understand how because I forgot and I've been doing a whole series of social media posts about all the things I forgot because I want to not forget again and be able to be the best support I can to new moms because her, your hands are so incredibly full and something as simple as going to fill up your water can be incredibly hard when you're trying to nurse a baby for four hours at night. That's what mine likes to do right now. Um, and, and if you don't have a 
a person to help you with that, it can be really tricky. Um, and I think back to this kind of goes hand in hand with the spouse thing from before. I think that this time we finally got that right because generally in our house, because of my personality, I am the one running around doing all the things. That's just how I am. I don't relax super easily. So we've had to intentionally transition some of those roles so that my husband can help me because right now she's a mama's girl, even to like drink pumped milk out of a bottle or to be comforted at night. She just wants me. And so we've had to really try We've had to really shift some things and he's done such a great job of doing everything, bringing me all the things I need while I sit there for literally four hours, a lot of nights. And even topping it off with bringing me my favorite Crave Cocoa drink while I'm sitting there for four hours. And so it's been really sweet, but that takes intention because that's very unnatural for us. And um, it's just very, very different. And I think you just have to prepare and just be willing to pivot frequently too, because babies change really quickly. Mom's emotions change very quickly. Um, Our physical capacity is up and down. Our, our nights are different every night. It's there's, there's just not a lot of predictability. And so we just have to be able to communicate well. And like you said, sometimes a postpartum doula or someone to serve in that type of role can be so incredibly helpful. Yes. Especially, you know, when your partner goes back to work, um, that is a great time to bring in a postpartum doula if you feel like you need that support. And then also, if you don't mind just me inserting a little note in here about the partner, um, I am like you, I am just used to doing a bunch of things and I love to feel productive and sitting and resting is not a natural thing for me mm-hmm. <laughs> in mm-hmm. just in life in general. And so I tried to do a lot better with that with my second baby. I plan to do even better this time with my third. But one yeah. thing I really had to just, one thing I really had to work on for myself personally was realizing that, you know, the people that are helping me, specifically my husband, might do things differently than I would do them. And mm-hmm. so just like realizing that, you know he is doing this as a gift for me to be able to get rest. And therefore I need to have grace for the fact that he might fold those things differently. He might cook that thing differently. And right. it's, it's still, he's still serving our family in the best ways that he can. And I have uh-huh. to just refrain from wanting to get up and, you know, do it faster or fix it or do it differently. Yes. Um, and so I think that's so important when with a personality like mine and yours Yes. And one other note on the partner thing, because this has been so eye opening to me this time, because I've, I had, you know, when you go from one baby to two, like you reassess, like, what did we do? What was, what worked well? What didn't same thing from, and then going now to our third, but that's really our fifth um, overall, as far as who we, who we love and are responsible for. Um, What I, I told my husband this time, I finally articulated this well was when he like when he was here, I think he's very he's a very productive person too. And he's like, Oh, this is time I have off. Like I'm in and out of the room with Emily and like I'm doing all these things and helping her. And this time early on, especially, I was like, I really just want you to be in the room with me. Like I just want you to hang out with me. Like all this other stuff can wait for the most part because I just really in those very early days, I don't like being by myself. I just that's just how I am and that's yeah. just it. And so 
this time we really just hung out a lot and he still could do things that he was fairly productive. In fact, we've shared this before, but he did a lot of block therapy in our room while we were just hanging out, talking, nursing a baby. And it was so wonderful just to have, like, I just desired his presence right there with me, which feels so needy to me because I'm so independent most of the time. But that's what I needed. And he delivered. And I like, again, this is by far the best I've done on my third try. So I love um, that so much. <laughs> anyway, that's just, I think it's one of those things where we have to be very specific and understand that you're probably going to be so much different than you are during your quote normal life because absolutely. that's just what happens postpartum. Yes, so, absolutely. I um, want to make sure, the, go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, and please. In the, you know, in the thing for help, like, you know, not a person that's naturally used to asking for help. I just do things myself when I need them done. Um, and so one thing I've seen some clients do is put like a note on their fridge with just a small list of things that would be helpful to be done around their house. So if they have a friend or family member come over and the person is like, what can I do to help you? If they don't feel naturally inclined to ask for something, there's just a list of yeah. Small tasks that could be done. And they say, just pick one thing off the list. And if you don't mind doing it, that would be great. And that gives people the freedom to ask for help without having to ask for something specific. Yes, that's wonderful. I really like that. And and I think that, um, you know, the more that we do this to like, like, just like you, I, and I think for most women, it's hard to ask for help. And in some ways, it's even harder to say yes when people offer to help because, um, but but I think when people offer to help, just say yes. And then just, even if it's a menial task, or sometimes it is, please hold my baby so I can take a shower. Right, you know, exactly. the people that you trust to be in your cozy space, like they want to really help you however they can. And I want to be that person too sometimes. So um, it's not a burden. It really is a gift to be able to love and serve in that way. And I think that we just have to be willing to accept it as that. So. Yes. Um, I don't, because it's so, um, contra- not controversial, it's not the, it's a, it's such a hot topic. It's the spicy, we'll call it spicy. spicy. Um, <laughs> let's talk about placenta encapsulation. I want to make sure we leave time for that because it seems, it is like very polarizing and I think a lot of people don't really understand it. And arguably I didn't either until this time and you opened my eyes a lot to a lot of uses um, or times that it can be helpful versus, um, you know, just the typical way of taking it right after birth and that sort of thing. So talk to us about placenta encapsulation, some of the ways that you've seen your clients benefit from it and, and so forth. We'll just talk about all the things in the time we have left. So for somebody who's listening, who's lit, this is literally the first time you've ever heard of placenta encapsulation. They're probably like, what is that? And it literally uh-huh. Oh, it's kind it of creepy like. at first. <laughs> yeah. So it, it, what it is, is that it's a powdered form of your placenta put into um, vegetable capsules. So just like a supplement or a vitamin that you would take. And then you take that postpartum. Um, and there are professionals in the area who can offer placenta encapsulation, Um, I'm one of them. I've been professionally trained um, to do this. 
But um, the way that I go about it, I'll talk about the way that I go about doing it and then what the benefits can be. So I follow the traditional Chinese method of placenta encapsulation, which is first draining the placenta of as much of the blood as I can, removing the cord, the, the umbilical cord and the membranes from it, the amniotic sac, and then I steam it until it's at least 160 degrees internal temperature. Um, and then I slice it into very thin slices, put it on dehydrating racks, and I dehydrate it for at least 10 to 12 hours at 160 degrees. And I'm waiting for it to turn like crispy. So if I break it apart, then it's good. You don't want it to still be soft. Um, once it has reached the, you know, desired um, temperature and texture that I'm going for, I grind it in an herb grinder and then I put it into vegetable capsules and into a glass jar and I take it back to my client. Um, we generally recommend a mom start taking her placenta capsules within about three to five days after birth. Um, usually once your time capsules and mm-hmm. a lot of moms like to take them is because there have been many moms who experienced increased energy and less fatigue, an increase in their breast milk production, higher iron levels that have been noted by blood tests. Um, some moms who did not encapsulate with one baby and did with another say that it did their postnatal bleeding and it they felt like they recovered faster from childbirth. Um, mm-hmm. They feel like there's a decrease in baby blues or perinatal mood disorders. Um, Mm -hmm. it's also known to lower the risk of postpartum hemorrhage, um, regulate your hormones, provide natural post-birth pain relief, improve your quality of sleep. Um, and that's partly because there's an increase in a stress reducing hormone, um, CRH, which happens when you consume your placenta, um, an increase in production of oxytocin, which is the love hormone, which can promote Mm -hmm. bonding with your baby, and increased energy and libido. So all of that sounds great That's to amazing. me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I will say, um, share with us too about, okay, hold on. I'm going to share about what I did with that okay. part. And then I want you to talk about what you can do later on too. Yeah. So, so this was the first time that I encapsulated my placenta. And what I did was my milk came in fairly soon. So when Christian brought it back to me, I was pretty much ready to start taking it. I took a minimal amount over this first couple of weeks. And once I felt like I was pretty well recovered and I guess by that time I was about three weeks postpartum when I stopped. Um, And I did experience a lot of what you just mentioned truly. And uh, again, this is my best postpartum yet. And there's lots of reasons for that, I think. And we can't say for sure, well, oh, the placenta mattered, but I would argue it probably did. And then um, once I felt like I felt pretty leveled out, a lot of those things that you mentioned, I kind of felt had balanced out on their own. And so I decided to freeze mine and save it. And so tell us some, some, some down the road times that they can be, that it can be helpful. Yeah. So it's pretty incredible, but many women have saved some of their placenta capsules for when they go through menopause. So we're talking Mm -hmm. years down the road. Um, because they feel like once when they're taking it during menopause, that it helps to regulate their hormones. 
and they feel more like themselves. Um, yeah. And then I've also, I, I have not met someone who's done this, but I've read about this and heard about it from multiple people. But I have heard that some women save some for when their daughters get their period. So that we're talking really. Yeah. Um, so if you gave birth to a baby girl and you saved some of those capsules for her specifically, you know, you wouldn't want to give those capsules to a different child. Yes. But yes, let's not do that. Yeah. <laughs> but um, so I just want to make a note. Incredible, too, you know, that you yeah. someone would even think to do that and that they have felt like that made a difference. And you also shared with me about when your first cycle comes back postpartum, yes. which for me in the past, that's been a rough time. I've actually, that's been harder for me than like immediately postpartum with emotions and that kind of thing. So that was, I'm planning to save some for that because I think that would be really beneficial potentially. And then we'll see after that period, if there's any left for menopause. So that's my goal as of now. As you feel well regulated now, just saving those, and you you can save your placenta capsules in the freezer indefinitely. Yeah. Now, Christian, would you say, and this might be, this is very anecdotal as well, but let's pretend like I'm great, and then that four month sleep regression happens, and I'm kind of feeling sort of crazy and emotionally unstable. We'll call it that again. <laughs> would it be good? Would it be? Um, reintroducing them for a period of time again do you have clients that have done that kind of taken them periodically yes and I would always okay. recommend low and slow but I, uh -huh. think, I think there it's a great tool to have to pull out if you feel like you need some extra hormonal support yeah that's awesome so so many benefits of course it's very controversial and like most things that we wish we had more research on there isn't a lot because let's be honest, there's not a lot of money in placenta encapsulation. So Pfizer has no interest in researching it. Absolutely. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're, they're not going to, anything that is something God made, they're not going to benefit from. Right. And if um, they're not going to make money off of it, why would they fund the studies? So, exactly. So basically, right. you know, we just have the organizations like uh, ACOG telling us don't do it and they don't really say why because they, they can't yeah. really prove that it doesn't do anything they just say don't do that right well we could argue about all the things they say to do but we'll <laughs> save that for another day yes. um and I think that's that's just the thing to remember too and I know some people have um and I would not say that uh, I would not say that people feel some people feel personal conviction that it's unethical or not biblical or whatever, I, I would say that's definitely a very open-handed issue. And, but if you feel that way, then certainly it might not be the best choice for you. But um, I don't think that there's anything for sure clear in scripture that says you should not do this. And so that's just my personal um, reflection after lots of deep dive into the Bible, but mm -hmm. it's fine to feel differently. And there's many issues that we feel that way about. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So um, anyway, and then, okay, sorry, we've done placenta encapsulation. Is there anything else, Christian, that you would, I mean, obviously we could talk about this for four more hours, but any other important tips for postpartum moms or any words of encouragement that you might want to leave us with? <laughs> well, I was going to mention one more spicy little thing that Ooh, I love spicy. I 
Yes, I know. I love spicy too. <laughs> um, this is just something I always bring up at my postpartum visit with um, my clients, especially after first babies. You know, it's just like, it's a topic that I think we don't talk enough about. And that is postpartum sex. And I will not go into Ooh. any details here. But what I want yeah. to tell people is that it can be scary. And yeah. it's kind of like the, you know, when you, right after you give birth in the first few days and you're trying to use the bathroom for the first time and it right. can cause so much anxiety for people. And, yes. you know, after my first baby, um, things did not feel right for a while. And I did not know that that was something that could be addressed. I was afraid yes. that it would be like that forever. And mm -hmm. if I had just had someone come alongside me and recommend a pelvic floor therapy or yes. something like that, I would, it would have greatly benefited me to not have to figure it out all by myself. And so I always encourage my clients that if it's something that they're struggling with or something they have questions about, I am a safe place that they can come and ask me questions and I can yeah. give them resources for other professionals that can help them. Um, or, you know, talk to your care provider, talk to a close mom friend, because they probably won't just bring it up to you, but if you mm -hmm. bring it up to them, people will open up and give you good support. And so I just, I wish someone had talked to me about that particular subject. Um, yes. I think it's just something people don't think much about until it's happening and right. then they don't know what's normal and what's not normal and how long it might take to feel normal again. Right. Um, and that's so. going to be different, right? With every woman, with every birth, yes, everything is different every time. Yes. And so it's, it's not going to be just, Oh, this is what happens. And so right. that's great. And I actually, I've never going to gone to pelvic floor therapy before. And I feel the best I ever have postpartum physically as well this time, but I'm still going to go because I'm 41 and I want all of those things to work well for a long time. So yes. I have my first appointment next week oh, to go and, um, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. I wish that pelvic floor therapy was like a given for every postpartum mom. I feel like it's just, I will, I wish it was across the board for anyone, even if they don't feel like they're having any issues. Um, yeah. It was so eye-opening helpful for me but after my Yes, same. And and I'm there. I'm actually really looking forward to it. They were telling me over the phone kind of how the first appointment would go. I'm like, this sounds so interesting. I'm very excited yeah. to go and experience this. And I think um I, I I think even when you're recovering well, there's always things that we can that we can address and they it will always help with issues potential issues down the road too. Like it's, it's worth it to be assessed, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So Absolutely. I'm really glad that you mentioned all of that. Cause that kind of, I hadn't thought about it, but that is so important. And back to your partner again, <laughs> have really good communication yes. and, and um, for lack of a better term, they'll probably need some coaching too. So we'll just leave it at that. Exactly. And having <laughs> great sensations with each other. Yeah. And it's just an exercise for your marriage. Absolutely. <laughs> Amen, sister. <laughs> so, <laughs> no matter how long you've been married. So that's great. I love it. Um, well, Christian, you're always a breath of fresh air and so full of great information for us. And we'll, I'm sure, come up with another topic again soon. And many uh, prayers and best wishes for this to be, you know, a wonderful birth for you and your best postpartum yet. 
Thank you so much. It was great to talk to you. You too. Take care. You too.